All right, guys, I want to let you know about a new partner we have down here at DNVR. Well, they're not that new. You probably know about them by now. It's Solace Meds. They've got smoking hot deals. And what's cool about Solace Meds is you can just stack deals on top of each other. So they've got things like Dixie Elixirs, two for 30 right now. That's an Eric Weedham special right there. 20% uh, 20, 20 off Spectra products, 25% off Ripple products. It goes on and on and on. So you take those deals. Then you use the code DNVR20. You stack another 20% on top of that. And when you go into the Wheat Ridge location and you mention DNVR, you can get a free Solace Bar or King Cone. So there you go. You can triple up on deals at Solace Meds. It's a great, great deal. And they have four convenient Colorado locations, including one in Col Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one's just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. So check them out. Solace Meds. Check them out today. We are DNVR, and we are live from Studio A. The A stands for we've got ourselves a tight quarterback race once again. Uh, we'll talk about all that in a second, but first want to give a shout-out to our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver. MSUDenver.edu slash online is where you can scope out all they have to offer. Uh, it's unlimited, honestly. Whatever you are interested in, MSU Denver can help you further your education in that area, and they will do so in a manner that allows you to keep a full-time job. MSU Denver students work twice as many hours as students attending any other college or institution, so make sure you check them out. MSUDenver.edu slash online. What's going on, Mace? Not much. By the way, I got to give a shout-out to one of our DMVR partners, Legal Pete's, because... There's one just down the street from us on East Colfax mm -hmm. and had a little bit of a chance to get lunch, something that's been rare for me in training camp. Walked down there, but of course, absentmindedly, I left my wallet in my car. Okay. But the person behind the counter said, saw my phone, said, oh, you can just pay with Apple Pay. I've never paid with Apple Pay before, by the way. That is phenomenal. Oh, that yeah. Is, that is a game changer. Yeah, your me. life has been changed. Yes, but the fact that they were just so helpful. Like, right, like, right. Oh, you got your phone. Just pay with Apple Pay. Does I didn't even think of that. Did you have to set it up? It was already set up as it turned out. I just haven't wow. used it. That's kind of so. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. So that's the kind of service you get at Illegal Pete's. Illegal Pete's, yes. amazing. I recommend the steak and potato burrito. What did you get? Baja fish burrito. Always. Always. I love the fish burrito. It's the best fish burrito I've had anywhere other than Seattle. That's wild. Yeah. That's how good it is. All right, Mace. Let's jump into what the people want to know. <laughs> uh Big day for Teddy Bridgewater today. I framed it before practice as a huge opportunity for Drew Locke because I thought he had a he had an opportunity to create legitimate separation today. He did not do so. Teddy Bridgewater took advantage of his opportunity mm -hmm. to kind of narrow the gap. Yeah, and of course, we saw Teddy go against the ones a lot on Saturday. Today, Drew went against the ones a lot, but it's interesting how you kind of, both quarterbacks kind of almost lose confidence going against the ones, oh, and sure. then it's tough to kind of get it back. And I would say, like, for Drew, for example, he goes against the ones a lot. Uh, he struggled over the course of the day when you're accounting for both team and seven-on-seven. Seven, Drew, in total, was seven of 14. And he had two interceptions, one in seven-on-seven seven by Pat Sertan. He just didn't see Sertan. And that's on him. He's mm -hmm. got to see Sertan there in coverage. The second interception at the end, Trandy Benson doesn't finish the route, but it's also not a great throw. And it was a nice break by Rogesterman Ferris, signed yesterday, getting a pick today. But Drew against the ones, a good chunk of practice, but then the last period against the twos, kind of shaky. Teddy against the twos for much of practice, last period, two minute against the ones, drops a dime to Jerry Judy, 25 yards down the left sideline underneath the zone coverage for, to set up the game-winning field goal in that scenario. Mm. So it's almost like both of these guys, it's almost like they both need to kind of build confidence and that when they lose it, they both kind of go into these 
ki- these kind of funks. Slumps, yeah. Yeah. And one thing for Drew, under pressure, had to kind of take off, had the whistle blow on him a couple of times. The whistle blew on him once in 7-on-7, seven seven, didn't, didn't uh, get a playoff. It wasn't a great day for Drew at all. And again, that's just such a shame because I felt like today was an opportunity for him to. We could have come. We could be sitting here right now saying, "Wow, Drew Locke has won." You know, four out of the five practices. You would have had it as three, three. I would have had two, two, one, yeah. three, one, one, at three, one, and one. Three, Either one, way, one. that separation. Yes. And when we would have had it at four, one, and oh, um, on the scoreboard, and it would have just been one of those things where we're saying Teddy's going to have to string together quite a run here if he wants to get back into it now as we know things really ramp up tomorrow when they finally put on full pads so Mm -hmm. this was taken with a little bit more of a grain of salt than that but again if it had been somewhere between four and one or three one and one you would have been saying look he's on the track to to pulling away now you have it as three two and one right or two two and one two two one two two and one two two and one if we're going for golf Basically, it's all square after five. Mm-hmm. If we have it on stroke play, I've got Drew up by a stroke. Right. So it's, it's and then I think on our score, we'll, 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 you'll be able to read our scorecard later in the day. If it's not a tie, it's not a tie, but it's as close as you can get. Yeah, it's going to be five really close. days without it being a tie. And Vic said after practice, it's even Steven. and I don't think he's BSing everyone. This right. really is even Steven. Right I now. mean, he's probably taking a little bit wider view than we are, you know, scoring every practice like that. Well, the other, and yeah, for him, yeah. one point or a couple points here and there on the scoreboard is really easy. And they're kind of may, they may gauge it a little differently than the media does. Like, here's an example. On Saturday, one versus one, Teddy gets picked off by McTelvin Ajim. Tipped, deflected, Ajim catches it, goes to the house. Today... Draymond Jones, tip drill, say, same direction, going to the right. One versus one, tips it. It falls incomplete, but tips are so random an outcome that the coaches are going to score that the same way. But tips, you're right, the outcome. But right. They're not going to say, oh, it was a worse play for Teddy than for Drew because Ajim happened to grab it and take it to the house. They're going to score They're They're going to score that equally against each quarterback yeah and i guess that's kind of fair quarterbacks shouldn't be throwing balls that are getting hit so that is on them so it is a negative it's not unlucky right. uh for the quarterback and obviously yeah sometimes it's going to get picked sometimes it's going to drop and mm-hmm. you get lucky right. um but that's on that is the quarterback's fault because i saw some debate about that when Teddy had the two tips the other day mm-hmm. as to whether, oh, it's just a bad break or if that's the quarterback's fault. The quarterback, their windows right. exist in between those hands. Yeah, and like, for example, with Drew at the end of practice today, Trandy Benson kind of stops on the route. Well, Jerry Judy kind of slowed down on his route when Cream Jackson jumped it on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's kind of interesting on that, someone asked me, what would have happened if Trandy had run out the route? Well, the way Ferris was breaking on the pass – Either that's a breakup or a there's a collision and that ball pops up. And again, that's on the quarterback as well. Yeah. And it's probably good that both of those guys yes. pulled up a little bit and they didn't yes. have the collision because, mm-hmm. well, we do have a quarterback going that is meaningful. Yeah. We don't want anyone getting hurt. And then, if, and then, you know, you know, sometimes the defense makes a play and some, and, and hauls in the pick and sometimes, sometimes they don't. I mean, that's, you know, Drew first pass of practice on Saturday. Trey Marshall had his hands on it. Could have picked it off. It was overthrown. And this is the sort of kind of nuance that, I mean, we try to we try to do as much as we can of this in, in terms of our analysis, but ours is going to be a little bit more kind of big picture in terms of results. But this is the sort of, of discussion that goes on among the coaches. The other thing today, yeah, it's against the twos, but you want to see Teddy go vertical. Teddy went vertical today. Mm-hmm. Took the shots, deliver, delivered – Nice on time pass. Nice on time passes. Had a deep shot to Jerry Judy. Had a deep shot to Deontay Spencer, and that's you know with both of these guys, you want to see what they're missing. Is Drew making better decisions? Is Teddy showing a willingness to go deep and and try to squeeze it in from time to time? That it was a good day. So that in that regard, it was a good day for Teddy. It was a day that he really needed after Saturday as well. Just like Drew kind of needed uh, to steady the ship on Friday after he struggled on Thursday. Right. 
And unfortunately, while this is good content that it's close, it's not the best thing for the Broncos. You don't want it to be close. You want one guy to just take that thing and run away with it. Yeah, it, you're right. I'll probably, this is going to be kind of float, throwing something out there and people might perceive this in the wrong way. I'm getting some Dilford, DeBerg, Kerry Collins vibes watching these quarterbacks. And here's what I mean. They're two of the 32 best quarterbacks walking the earth. Mm-hmm. They are probably going to play 10, 12, 14 years in this league somehow, some way. But, and may even have, be part of a team that has a deep playoff run. Heck, uh, you know, Kerry Collins and Dilfer started in the same Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But they weren't guys that you really wanted to build around long term. That was the Super Bowl that had the back-to-back return touchdowns, it is, didn't it? Yes. That and, was awesome. And then, other than that, the Giants didn't score right. at all. So their offense got shut out by that all-time Ravens defense. But where they are right now, and Drew is obviously young, and, and, that's, and this is why, to me, if they're tied, you start Drew. Because there's the possibility that he could become something more. But as I kind of watch him, I see a couple of guys that are just that they have different skill sets. They they can start in this league, but are but are we talking about guys that can get to that top twelve, top fourteen level on a consistent basis, not just for a year here and a year there? And that's where I'm like, I really I'm really not sure we see that in either of these guys. Let me ask you this, though. What do you think is holding back Drew from being a level above that? I think Drew has got to find a middle ground. And I, I don't – he's – right now, he's tr- he's trying not to be gunslinger Drew. And what we're seeing sometimes, especially when he's under pressure, he, today was shaky, Thursday was shaky – those were the days where the defense brought pressure. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that sort of pressure unravels his decision-making a little bit that either that, you know, he's not, instead of last year forcing it in there, he's just kind of not making a choice. Right. And he's either taking off or the whistle's blowing on him. And there were, play, I, there were t- times today, I would say probably at least three times in game conditions he was going to be sacked. So, so it's like the the process the, the processor hasn't quite got to the level under under pressure that you need it to for long term success. And with Teddy, it's just this is this is who he is. Yeah. So what I was gonna say is I just think it's consistency is Drew's biggest problem. He's capable of doing all the things that good quarterbacks and great quarterbacks do. Mm-hmm. He isn't capable yet mm-hmm. of doing it consistently. To and me, so, that yeah. It might come, it might not, but there's only one way to get there, and that's with repetition. Yeah, and maybe, it, again, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. It, like, there was, I mentioned Steve DeBerg, former Broncos, one of the examples, and that was a guy for whom the consistency, it, it didn't come. Now, it was enough for him to be a guy who started a lot of games in his career. He ended up playing, I believe, in the end, like 18 seasons, M- many of those as starters, but the danger is you're always looking for the next guy. Mm-hmm. If Drew, if this, it, and Drew is better than he looks to be better than he was last year. Mm-hmm. But if Drew, the level he reaches is say around the league, QB 20, QB 19, then he becomes that guy that you can start him. You can have a good season with him. If every if everything is going right around him, but do you give him the big contract Probably not, mm-hmm. and that's where, and and that's and and Teddy, we kind of know him to be that type of guy, right? What if Drew is headed in that direction as well? Because I, because you know, the, we can get excited about certain moments, and we're certainly excited about uh, Gary Judy at wide receiver, but I still see the fourth best quarterback room in the AFC West right now when I see these guys out uh, there. And honestly, that's that's a pretty high bar. Like yeah, because third is a decent bar. It's not easy to to beat. Third is at worst, slightly above average. Uh, you, Derek Carr, Mar- Marcus Mariota. Right. I Vegas. mean, Derek Carr was an MVP yeah. candidate for a while last year. Yeah, and they kind of tailed off. And Derek, I mean, Derek Carr. Well, and pretty, the year that he yeah, got hurt. Yeah, and Derek Carr's kind of. I mean, and he's one of those guys that we would say is second tier. Definitely. And yeah, we say is an MVP candidate, but that's that. That's sort of the bar for 
the willingness to give a quarterback a big contract, right? Are they at least like in that top dozen? Right. Derek Carr as a starter is in that top dozen. Yes. And he's probably on the lower end of the guy that you'd give a big contract to. Yes. I mean, Minnesota may regret that. I think Minnesota probably does regret right now the Kirk Cousin contract, everything that's going on up there. <laughs> yeah. But that, you know, the Ravens regret the Joe Flacco contract. And even though Drew is young, we are talking about contract time bearing down here in, 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 in less than two years. So he's got, you know, anyway, that's sort of, the, that's five days in, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting, is that you've got a couple of guys who are, you know, they're good enough to start, but are they good enough to build around? And that's where I'm really i'm 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 doubtful yeah that's tough all right give us a couple other uh plays that stood out to you from the quarterbacks today okay i mean i mentioned kind of i mentioned i kind of mentioned the deep shots uh for for teddy as well and i talked about drew kind of you know just basically having to eat the ball a little mm-hmm. bit or, or scramble or scramble out of trouble i mean those were the things that those were the things that really jumped out i go back to like my play of the day is probably the uh the teddy pass in in two minute to jerry judy going downfield mm-hmm. that because that's ver- that that's finding the gap in coverage against the ones there have and there haven't been many real many opportunities for both quarterbacks to where they've been able to find gaps in that coverage it's been so tight teddy getting it in there that says a lot for him and if, and the other thing also both of these quarterbacks you're seeing, okay, if Judy's out there, the mismatch, we're going to him. There was a play, it was about two-thirds away during practice in team, I believe it was third and four. And it's Teddy against the twos, but Jerry Judy's out there. There's a lot of mixing and matching mm-hmm. going on. And I turned, and I, I was talking with, I believe, Ben Albright, and I said, well, okay, you got you got Teddy you got, you got Teddy out there, you got Judy, just throw to him. Yeah, oh yeah. If you're smart, if you're smart, you just throw to him and trust that he gets there. And he did. And the other thing that Teddy did today that he struggled at in some of the practices earlier, when he was doing well in OTAs, he was able to anticipate the breaks of his receivers and thus throw as they started their break and drop the ball in in the spot they got to. He was doing that with Jerry Judy. He did that with um, he did that with Trandy Benson today. So the timing for, for Teddy, it was as off as it was Saturday, it was on today. Needed it. He did. Really, really he needed really it. Needed it. Uh, and it's like you said, it's a missed opportunity for Drew. Yes. Drew really Drew could have gotten separation today and he didn't. But and Teddy closed the gap. Again. It should be noted right. that he had the harder task today, which was going up against the number one defense. Yeah. The same way that Teddy had right. the harder task on Saturday. But he didn't have as much red zone work, which was interesting. Teddy, they really tried to throw him in their in the red zone in that practice and i think there was only like the one red zone period today and drew did have a touchdown in red zone hitting melvin gordon on a little slant nice um so yeah i mean basically if you were setting odds on the last two practices you would have set the odds on drew lock to have the better practice on saturday and teddy to have the better practice today so the the favorite of the day one just based on the challenge that was ahead of them. true but you want to see one of these guys against the ones do well and that's why what, that, that's why move the ball. It's it, both days they've reversed the order of emphasis when they went move the ball for that final period, because Teddy got all the work with the most of the work with the ones on Saturday, and then Drew got moved the ball against against the ones had a had a couple of nice passes. Also, kind of showed the the running game as well, getting downfield. And then the, the play I love from Drew on Saturday was where he hit Noah on that fourth down, and he looks right and th- he looks and went right throws left so he gets to the third read and hits Noah outside to keep the drive alive that's that's terrific I mm-hmm. love I love seeing that. that's what I want to see from Drew and then today Drew you know kind of in, in the in the soup against the ones not to the degree that Teddy was on Saturday and I think that's key but also not facing as many of the kind of field position challenges in the red zone we got the compressed field defenders all around as Ted as as Teddy did and just it was it was it was not what he was hoping for today, and you know the other thing is also on Pat Sertan's pick. He's got like I said, he's got to see Sertan. I mean, it's a good play by Pat, but the quarterback's got to see him. Oh, especially in seven on seven. Yeah. So that, that yeah that seven on that seven on seven period it turned out did not augur well for the rest of the day for Drew. Unfortunately, yeah, it's, that's it's been tough. happening to these guys. So yeah, I mean, 
Very little separation. Two quarterbacks who remain incomplete puzzle pieces. Well, and it's kind of funny it works out this way because now it gets real tomorrow uh-huh, when the pads go on. on. And it's fitting that the competition is basically square going yeah. into um, when <laughs> it really counts. You know, because it would have been weird if there was like a big lead for one of these guys. And then mm-hmm. Vic Fangio was like, well, none of that really counted. And we're like, oh, how do we do this? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's, it's close going into as things ramp up. Um, we are going to get to some of the other players who stood out today in practice. But first, I want to give a shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, we had our grand opening 2.0 party here on Saturday. It was an absolute blast. Thanks to everyone who came out. And I drank uh, several good company hard seltzers. I will say... I've been trying to t- turn everyone on to this. Sel- hard seltzer on ice with a lime. Oh, now that you're going with the lime, huh? You're throwing a yes. little curveball in there. The lime was, you know, it was, I had to make a decision of whether it was an official part of it. It, it is. Okay. You got to have the lime in there. Take any seltzer, pour it on ice, put a lime in there. It's the official drink of the summer. Sounds pretty good. It is. It's amazing. It even works with the lemonade seltzers, too. Obviously, you know, you get a little more fresh citrus in there. It's fantastic. So uh, I think I think we're going to do a little grill grill night tonight. Ooh. Probably have one of those uh, as mm-hmm. I'm grilling up some kebabs. Yeah. Well, you can oh, actually I'm doing yeah. grilled fajitas. Oh, That's OK. Right. I'm not a fan of kebabs. I don't Interesting. Th- they taste good. It's just I, I don't I like eating them. I don't like grilling them. Mm, they are kind of a pain to grill. Exactly. I, I want like if it's steak, you just throw it on. You know, you, you get that you get that thing up to 550 degrees, and you throw the you throw the steak on there. You flip it over, you're good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of fun to do the kebabs though. Like, I like building them. I like that's the thing. You'll everything that they taste good. They're fun to build. They're just not fun to grill. Yeah, and like taking it off the skewer can sometimes be a pain. Yeah. Well, the other thing I find is I if I have the if I have it hot enough, then the skewer is gonna you know burn and you know oh yeah yeah little ashes in but the then you food. get like that little smoky flavor added to the uh food that's true that's true what else you can also talk about breckenridge brewery like rk mentioned they've got the good company hard seltzers that are being sold right here in the dnvr bar and you know how we love our breck brews and breck seltzers but what we love even more is the fact that breckenridge brewery is teaming up with the national parks conservation association this summer last year The fires here in Colorado were so devastating for so many. And this is one of many reasons why Breck Brew will donate 1% of all their profits this summer to the National Parks Conservation Association. So you buy a pint, you buy a pack, you're going to donate 1% to the great outdoors and helping that out. And we're hosting events here at the DMVR Bar to promote this, including just a chance to come on down. Have a Breck Brewer seltzer and go away with some awesome swag from Breck Brew. You can also enter to win a $30,000 Escape Pod trailer if you go on over to their website and enter. So you can you can check that out. You go to breckbrew.com slash ingoodco. That's breckbrew.com slash ingoodco for more details on winning that $30,000 Escape Pod trailer. Good luck and tag us and your friends at Breck Brew when you submit your entry to win. I also want to give a shout out to Chevalier Mortgage. Uh, it's stressful to buy a house right now. And if you've attempted the process, you know exactly what we're talking about. The market crazy right now, but Mike and Tra- Virginia Chevalier will take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They'll alleviate so much stress and take so many worries off your plate. So check out Chevalier Mortgage. They want to make this a stressless, easy process for you. They're awesome over there. They're part of the DNVR family. They're big, diehard Denver sports fans. So check them out at dnvrmortgage.com, and you can get a free DNVR shirt or hat when you sign up. Uh, And uh, you also get a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That is Michael Chevalier, NMLS. Where is it? Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006, and Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Hit them up, Chevalier Mortgage. Yeah. Right, what Mace. else happened today? Tell me. All right. The bread for this team is going to be buttered offensively on the ground. And Javante, I thought Javante Williams had his best day today. Good. Just running hard. Now, we're going to see a little bit more when the pads go on. But uh, to use that quote from Ted Lasso, I know I've used it before. He runs like he's angry at the grass. Mm. Runs with purpose. It's not just that... He he has decisive cuts that he hits the hole. He runs angry. 
And I felt like maybe he was running a little angry because maybe he's feeling some pressure from a guy like Mike Boone, who's, who's having a really good camp yeah. and had a couple of nice runs today as well. But this was the day where I thought Javante Williams really looked assertive in how he ran the football. Great news. The ho- great news also that the holes were there. So yes. Some good work along the offensive line. Definitely better for the first team O-line in run blocking than pass pro. You, I mentioned some of the sacks earlier. You know, For example, I believe it was uh, Vaughn Miller. And Vaughn Miller is going to beat people. Vaughn Miller gets past Bobby Massey on one side. And uh, next thing you know, Vaughn is just pulling up. Right. So definitely O-line much more comfortable when they were in, when they were driving forward on the run than in pass than in pass protection. Speaking of Massey, kind of looks like he's uh, pulling away with the right tackle competition. Three yes. straight days with the ones. Three straight days with the ones. Calvin Anderson working at left tackle with the twos, and uh, you, you're starting to get the sense now that um, Anderson's probably pegged for that swing role. Yeah, yeah. And that being said, if he's the swing tackle. Bobby Massey, because of various and sundry injuries, has missed 14 games the last two years. So, Calvin Anderson, if he's a swing tackle, he's probably going to start a bunch of games this year. You hope not, but you hope not, but you you expect you so. expect that to happen. And a- a- Anderson kind of we actually uh, caught up with him after practice. And uh, by the way, he solved a four by four Rubik's cube that Vic Lombardi gave him in I believe about just a little over five minutes. Four by four though, not the three by three. The three by three you can do in a snap, but Vic brought him the four by four, for, and then I had to kind of mix it up, you know, because I just happened to be standing right there, and so I kind of mixed it up, and then took him a little over five minutes, and he figured it out. Wow! Got some tips from Calvin Anderson on solving one of those things. First of all, he says you got to get the middle pieces. On a four by four, he says you start with the four in the middle. I think he would have done it quicker, except his fingers were taped. This is the other thing. He still has the tape <laughs> on his fingers from practice. Wow. And he's sitting there, doing, he's doing a Rubik's Cube there on camera. You can find it on Vic's uh, Twitter feed, by the way. That's amazing. Yeah, it is It's it is amazing. But Calvin, he he looks like he could take Cameron Fleming's job. They signed Fleming. Fleming hasn't seen a first-team snap yet, yeah. by the way. Calvin well, didn't Anderson he in OTAs has, and it didn't go very well? Yeah, he got, he got burned. He, it was a bad day for him. And right now... Just my, I was at field level today. I don't see why, if Anderson plays as he is, which is a solid swing tackle, I don't see why you would keep Fleming. Mm. He Can could, he, has he, he, he ever played kid. on the inside? I'm not sure. I want to say earlier in his career he did. Okay, so maybe. But I don't have it in front of me. I mean, you did pay him. A decent amount of money, but you can recover. But you can recover a lot of that. I think you'd have a. I believe the savings would be about would be in the seven figures, if you let him go. Okay. So Anderson, Anderson, left tackle today. He's been right tackle. He just kind of looks like he's headed in the swing tackle direction right now, which is fine. Um, Noah Fant had a drop. Ooh. Yeah, it was actually a Drew hit him. Uh, it was third and four. Drew. Looks to the left, leads him. It's actually a nice throw by Drew off his hands. Not good. You know, when I – and no one really wants to hear excuses, but when I go back and watch games from last season, there was just such a perfect storm of mistakes from the offense. Yeah. It was like when Drew was on, he's throwing and hitting Jerry Judy in the hands and it's hitting the ground, and that, yeah. that kills a drive. Um, I mean, you, you just go back and watch the first game of the season. Multiple. Multiple drives were killed by Mm -hmm. dropped passes. And I'm not, you know, singling out Noah here. I'm not trying to single out Judy either. But it's like when did him though. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like when Drew was on, the receivers were off. When the receivers were on, Drew was off. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things where it's like, man, what was going on? No Sutton, of course. Then like sometimes they're having a good drive and they get a sack or a hold from the offensive line. It's mm-hmm. like they just, it was, you know, in golf, if you're playing a partner game, there's a, a term called uh, your ham and egging. Yeah. Meaning when I have a bad hole, you have a good hole and you have a bad, it, it was the opposite of that. Like they weren't a, a, ever able to pick each other up. It was just like one person's, you know, f- football, such a team sport that you need mm-hmm. all 11 guys going 
if you're gonna put together a touchdown drive and it was so rare for that to happen i hope that that they get rid of that this year i hope they do as well and noah's had a good camp but it's just kind of it you know that and certainly it's frustrating for it's frustrating for noah but it was kind of part of just for drew overall kind of it it was it, it wasn't that he did something wrong on that play but you know teddy's dealt with drops as well by the way tyree cleveland dealing with a little injury wasn't out there today so he's got he, an uphill battle from here on out to make he, this team he does and i think what, what was interesting is as they're shuffling the receivers we're starting to see Trandy benson get the occasional first team look again doesn't mean he's a first teamer just that they're going to give him that look from time to time Seth Williams getting an occasional look up there rotationally with the ones. And that's the one that's the concerning thing for Tyree Cleveland. Because mm-hmm. if you know Cleveland can't get himself out of the soup when it comes to these drops, that he had those first four days of camp. I mean, Teddy, Teddy might have had close to perfect in those first three days if Tyree had not been dropping passes. And... If it's unfortunately for Tyree Cleveland, they pick another day three receiver this year. Jawan Winfrey found this out last year. When you're one of those day three receivers, they keep adding one of those guys every year. You are very replaceable. Oh yeah. And I know, yeah, there's a, there was excitement based on Tyree Cleveland based on the way he surged at the end of last year, but receivers who can with all respect to Tyree Cleveland receivers who can do what he do he can do they're not that hard to find no and Juwan Winfrey was kind of 1.0 of this yep he couldn't stay healthy and then Tyree Cleveland and now we're talking about Seth Williams and and that's what I was going to say is as soon as there's the younger fresher model Mm, yep it's real easy for them to say hey we want the iPhone 13 throw away the iPhone 12 hey the new kid in town become eventually becomes the old kid in town because there's a new new kid Right. That's the, you know, the Eagles sang a song about this back in the day. You ever hear that song? You're, you were talking about the band, the Eagles. It took me a second for oh, that yeah. to I was like, John, the, the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles made a song about it. The that? dude would hate this in Big Lebowski, but Johnny come lately, the new oh, kid yes, in town. Yes. And then by the end of the song, the new kid is the old kid. Right, right. And you're holding on and you're still around. Yep. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. But that that's that's football. That's that's life. Well, and, the, and, you know, um, it's a little bit different, but it, it, it applies. Um, I overheard a coach one time at a practice tell, in college telling mm-hmm. the kids, my job is to recruit players better than you. Mm-hmm. Your job is to make me not able to do that. Yeah. That's... Well, and that's basically George Payton's job mm-hmm. is to draft players better than the ones that mm-hmm. exist. Their job is to make him bad at his job. Where my job is to draft a replacement. Yes, I, I've I've heard that from GMs before. Yes, and your so, jo- and your job is to hold off that replacement. Yes, your job is to stop me from yeah. being able to do that. Yeah, that's where entire Cleveland not off to a good start. Yeah, I mean, it, Ted, Teddy Bridgewater a long time ago was on was was part of this because. The Vikings draft Christian Ponder, and then he flames out, and then three years later they draft Teddy Bridgewater in the first round. Yep, and it's it's just part of the cycle. If if you're look, if you're not at the top dozen in terms of starters at your position, they're probably looking for a replacement. Yes, uh, Peter here in the comments asked if there's a punter battle on campus here. No, there no. was in uh, OTAs, and apparently Sam Martin made quick work of Max Duffy. Yeah, or they just decide they'd rather have a roster spot for another receiver. I mean, yeah, I disagree with that if that was the case. I don't think we've heard the last of Max Duffy. But I think we'll probably see him pop up on the tryout circuit this year and be in somebody's camp next year, and possibly the Broncos camp. That may well depend on who's coaching special teams. Like, if Tom McMahon is back next year and Sam Martin's contract is expired because he's on a two-year deal, it would not shock me if Max Duffy is back on this team. There you go. There's the punter free agent yeah. scoop of the day. Um, anyone else? Anyone else that stood out today? Any good or bad? I, I mentioned him earlier. Draymond Jones, he had the deflection at the line of scrimmage. He also knocked Melvin Gordon to the ground at one point. He was getting some good penetration uh, throughout the day, and he was – doing pretty well against the run. We saw Justin Sternod out there with the ones again. Josie Jewell still hurts. It's a great opportunity for Sternod. 
especially when you see Stranod in base actually get up and get involved against the run, close the hole. There was one play, you know, Shelby kind of broke through first, and then Stranod kind of finished it off. So if Stranod can do something positive against the run, if he's not going to get engulfed in the box when teams do go to the power game, that means he could become an every-down linebacker. Right. It means that Josie Jewell could get Wally pipped here. Yes. If Because we know Stranod, based on his skill set, is better in coverage than Josie Jewell, with all respect to Josie. And again, if you're in dime and there's only right. one guy out there, especially in, you know, let's say it's third and 11. And we know Vic doesn't want to, I mean, he, he, he'll do some situation substitution, but he wants to leave a guy out there because he doesn't want to tip his hand personnel-wise. So if Stranod can be reasonably effective against the run and you know he can cover, that allows him to change his look without changing personnel at that spot. Yep. And that makes him more valuable. So if Stranod, this is a key moment for him. And if Josie Jewell is still out tomorrow when the pads go on, that's another another test for Stranod. If you go full pads, full contact, how does he look? Does he get engulfed in the box when they're running up the middle, or is he assertive? Is he not getting caught up in the flow of the play? Is he able to make plays and make sure that runs don't get beyond the second level? If he does that, he ought to start. Yeah. Because he's a more complete linebacker than Josie Jewell if he can defend the run. Absolutely. I think the one thing that maybe Josie will have over him is just instinct. Yeah. That's like what he's so good at is kind of diagnose, play diagnosis mm -hmm. and instinct. But if you can teach, I mean, you can teach those things and you can, you know, help mm -hmm. Justin kind of figure that sort of stuff out. He did have a classroom year last year. Yes. Even though he was on IR, true. he had a classroom and film study year. So it's not like it was a total waste of time. All right, I think that's going to wrap up the live side of things. We're going to jump over to the podcast side where we'll answer all of your questions. And we'll do that in just a second. But first, I want to give a shout out to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. As Andre says, the number one sportsbook in all the land. And uh, speaking of the number one, you can bet $1 to win $100. If any uh, US, uh, U.S. Olympian wins a medal or... You can also sign up to do it. So if either fighter lands a single punch, one single punch in this weekend's use, uh, UFC 265 main event, you'll win $100. So it's a free $100 pretty much when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook and you're a new user, which is awesome. Make sure you check it out. And you can also, of course, get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when you use the code DNVR. To get that, you must be 21 or older, Colorado-only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. The deposit bonus requires a 25x playthrough, and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, make sure you call 1-800-522-4700. Also, I want to tell you about our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee. You probably know about that code DNVR20. Get 20% off. Well, Strava has upped the ante. You can get 25% off your first purchase when you use the code DNVR25. So check it out. It's CBD-infused coffee. It'll help you with so many ailments. Check out the reviews they've got. If you've got chronic headaches, for example, I know CBD has helped me out with some of the cluster headaches that I've dealt with. And Strava Craft Coffee is a great way to get that CBD and do it in delicious, in a delicious way. If you love coffee, Strava is for you. You can also get 20% off for life. How, here's how you do it. You subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee, and that means you never have to buy coffee in the store again, and you subscribe in every two, four, six, eight weeks. Whatever interval you want, it'll be waiting for you on your doorstep at 20% off every time. If you want to try it once, come on down to the DMVR bar. We've got Strava's cold brew on tap. So check it out there. If you like what you taste, you like what you see, go order some more, either with that code DNVR25 or by subscribing and getting 20% off for life. So check it out, Strava Craft Coffee, that CBD-infused CBD coffee that will help you with so many aches, pains, and other things in your life. I told you I'm going to make some fajitas tonight. You yeah. already know I'm going to be using those flank steaks from Hassel Cattle mm -hmm. Company. And you can buy three, get one free. So you, you for 30 bucks, you get 40 bucks worth of steak. And these things are perfect for when you want to marinate. Um, 
if you do it the right way, you want to thinly slice them against the grain. And then you'll have just nice, really great marinatable steak. Um, and if you use the code DNVRFLANK, you can buy three and get one free. There's so many great products at Strava, or sorry, at a Hassle Cow Company. They are just stacked full of awesome Wagyu beef. So check out Hassle Cattle Company. Go and use the code DNVR10 for 10% off. DNVR flank for buy three, get one free on the flank steaks. And always, if you spend over $200, you can receive free shipping. And you're going to want $200 worth of this stuff. You're going to go through it probably pretty fast. So check them out. HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L Cattle Company. Dot com. All right, Mace, let's jump into the comments here. What do we got? Let's start with this one from Greendale Human Being, who starts by saying, congrats on the re-grand opening of the bar. Wish it could have been there to meet y'all. Well, wish it could have been there as well, but we had plenty of DNVR listeners and subscribers and supporters out here on Saturday. It was great to bump into some of y'all. I popped in in the 4 o'clock hour after I'd finished the QB scorecard, caught up with, caught up with some people, and uh, even caught up with a listener who was on his way to Madison, Wisconsin, mm. a place where I'll spend a fair amount of time from time to time. As yes. Well. So great place, Madison. Wisconsin. Oh my gosh. Has CU ever had Wisconsin on the schedule? I think at some point. Yes. That, well, we played them in a bowl game. That's right. But that, that should be like an annual series. I mean, I know Nebraska's the rival when I get it. What should it be called? Like the great college town series? Yes. Like the greatest college towns in America, Boulder and Madison. They just do home and homes, and everyone gets to travel yeah, to both. Yeah, they're S- Boulder and Madison are like the two Spider Mans pointing at each other. Mm, interesting. They're the long. They're like long lost identical cousins, as towns. They're both very good towns. Yes, they are. Definitely, Boulder's the better looking of the cousins, but well, Boulder's got the Flatirons, <laughs> and Madison's got Lake Monona and Mendota. Yes. So you can sail in Madison on the lake and enjoy the views and enjoy the views of, of the flat irons in boulder they both got something going they do them. they both they, really have, do. they both have many things going for them anyway um so yes anyways it was a blast it was an absolute blast and uh looking forward to more good times here at the dmvr bar greendale human being goes on goes on and says i haven't listened to the training camp pods as i have a 10 hour drive tuesday but i'm loving following all of it on twitter and the daily recaps just a quick question that may have already been discussed but after hearing vic praise Caden Stearns is my UT guy looking good out there. With Jamar Johnson on the COVID list, has he already made up the depth chart? And what might both of their roles look like this year? Even though I'm a huge fan of Kareem Jackson, I'd love to see Stearns take over Kareem's spot next year. Probably too early to say that, but it, Stearns has helped himself because coming out of OTAs, based on what we saw, I thought Jamar Johnson was ahead of Caden Stearns, mm. which kind of stood to reason. Stearns, a uh, little someone who kind of had some issues with missed tackles uh, at Texas, and that was one thing that nicked him resume-wise. Has all the physical tools, but uh, putting them together on a consistent basis wasn't always there. So now pads are going on. I think it's going to be a big test for Caden Stearns. Is, Absolutely. Is he tackling better than he did at Texas? If he, he's, a will, he's willing, no doubt. It's just that he whiffed from time to time. If he's improved that, that's going to get him on the field at some point. You seen anything from my guy Tedrick Thompson? He hasn't jumped out to me yet, yeah. no. I, I mean, it's so. one of uh, with once we uh, once you get beyond like the receivers and quarterbacks, you know, the guys that actually have the ball with me, it's kind of like, OK, did they do something to get in the notebook? As they say, Tedrick hasn't made it in the notebook yet. Yeah, I didn't notice him there. Some guys make it for the wrong reasons. Parnell Motley keeps making it in the notebook for the wrong reasons. Yeah, the Motley crew is dwindling. Yeah, he got beat again today. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, they're uh, Teddy and Drew are seeing him and they're going at him. Yeah, that's the hardest part too, is because they're succeeding when they do it, so they're going to keep doing it. Exactly. <coughs> and he's outmatched by most of those receivers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of silly, but you get, get Cortland Sutton going against the twos, he's going to win the match. Uh-huh. And they 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 rotated Judy in on the twos, and they're, they're just they're 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 just throwing guys all over the place. Judy against the twos is not fair. Next one is also uh, from your boy. Yeah, Count Oculus says, to use your term microwaved, I just started realizing that not only is Sertan already an exceptional talent, but he'll get to quickly zap his skills to the next level by practicing as Judy and Sutton and Hamler. He's going to get good fast. Agree? What say you? Love the count. Good timing. Pat Sertan got his first pick today. Yep. Red, red Drew Lock, And that was the thing. Like He read the intent of the quarterback. 
It's great. It's great for Pat Sertan. It's not great for Drew Locke. No. But, I mean, you're going to make mistakes eventually. Right. And, and you'd like to see the the first-round pick go make some plays. Yeah. Good sign for him. I, again, with, with Sertan, I see a very good rookie corner. Maybe not not otherworldly. I mean, I'm, this is old guy kicking in. He's not Charles Woodson. He's not Champ Bailey. He's very good. You it's know a what? Very high bar. He's very good. He might be a lot like his dad. Wouldn't be surprising. Very, very good career that that, that Pat Sertan, the elder, had. Long lasted a long time in this league. Very effective, and I could see Pat Sertan too having the same kind of career arc, which yep. would keep him in Denver a long time if the Broncos are smart. Next one here from LDJ. Hey guys, love it. I'm hearing out of coming out of camp. Wish there was more potential or glimpses of greatness with Drew. No offense to Teddy. We know Teddy's ceiling. We just need to know Drew's floor. I just hope he's dialed in and on a mission to show with, with his on-field play. Maybe I'm on my own, but I'd rather let Drew uh I'd rather let Drew do him implement his improvements and potentially miss as much as he hits than to have a season of Teddy Keenum 2.0. Maybe Drew's inaccuracy doesn't exhibit the full potential of these weapons, but to, uh, these weapons aren't going to show too much with all of Teddy. Um, with Teddy, it's Case Keenum all over again, but maybe even more conservative. P.S. You guys are awesome. You've been fair to both QBs reporting what you see. I guess some fans just can't understand the lack of optimism for Drew. Uh, he wins the days, but barely. He shows some new things, but Teddy's the safer option. He scores TD, but he just went through one read. Not all uh, didn't process his reads. Every positive thing he does is met with negative backhanded stuff. LOL. Drew gets by the majority of Denver media. Do you think he meant fans or fans? I, I think it's a uh, it's it's a lot of people, honestly. Okay. Um, not not just uh, not just station. capital F fans. Yes. Um, I I think that a lot of people just soured so strongly on drew last year and i talked about this on saturday's podcast i just don't understand why bronco a bronco fan would be rooting against him um because again he is your best chance at having something special happen this year if something special is going to happen this year it's because drew Locke figured it out and took a big leap i think and i i don't i don't know why you'd root against a guy period on your own team when you're when he's on your own team I mean, I, you want them both to do well. You want this to be a tough decision because both are absolutely balling out. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be shouldn't be rooting for Drew to make a play and Teddy not to make a play. You should be rooting for both of them to make a play. Yes. And absolutely. You, if you want one of them to win, then you just want them to make a 40-yard touchdown when the other guy makes a 35-yard touchdown, and it's just touchdowns all over the place. A great thing today would have been if after Teddy had that pass to Jerry Judy in two minutes, to uh, in uh, under the zone to set to set up a field goal a great thing would have been if drew went out there obviously against the twos and with the twos and did the same thing yes instead of instead of kind of a little confusion benson stopping the route ferris jumping it and and getting picked off you should want both of them to do well so Absolutely. i don't get that now i will say this i think it is a legitimate worry that whoever ends up as the starter for most of the games this year does just enough to where they keep that they maybe they're kind of mid, lower mid tier, but does do, just enough to say, well, yeah, we can bring him back. I mean, we went ten and we went ten and seven, and we got in the playoffs. Maybe we can take it to another level with this guy. Basically, if you did that, you'd be the Jaguars keeping Blake Bortles. And I could, and the thing that worries you is, could I see the Broncos making that type of decision? If they win nine or ten games, are in the playoffs, but these quarterback, but these quarterbacks are just okay, I could absolutely see him making that decision, and that's the kind of person I want to be in. If you go ten and seven, make the playoffs, and your quarterback play is just meh with either of these guys, you hope they're saying, "All right, that's well and good, but we have got to get better." Whether it's the Bills, playing. whether it's Aaron, exactly, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or doing what the Bills did. Looking at next year's quarterback class, identifying the guy you want, and doing whatever it takes to get him. Purgatory is why well. I think that actually is sort of part of it. People, you do want it to be decisive. You want one of these guys to be great, or both of them be great. You want, or you want them to be terrible, but you don't. You really don't want them in between for long-term decision making. Definitely, is that fair? I mean, yes. 
Okay. Definitely. Okay. Uh, from Melbourne Bronco. Hey, guys, I read somewhere that Vic thinks KJ Hamler could be a good punt return guy. Sounds risky to me with his drops history. More pressure under a high ball. I'd prefer uh, safe hands over speed. Also, KJ is KJ the fastest on the team? If not, who is? Cheers. I would think if they did races, uh, KJ would come out the winner. I'd be shocked if he didn't win. You'd probably giving be giving him about uh, two to five odds. Yeah, I mean, Deontay would probably be his biggest competition, and he's obviously also his biggest competition for the return role. Godspeed. I say, yeah, I say, just keep Deontay there. He's done yeah. well. He's made some big plays. He's he's a good player. And he's become more reliable at hanging on to the football, too. Yes. That's another thing. A couple of years ago, Deontay was an adventure. Now you trust him to make the, the catches. And I don't so, think he made it any big mistakes last season. Yeah, he didn't. And then the reason why I say that is if K.J. Hamler's your punt returner, that's well and good, but you also have to have somebody who's your punt catcher. Yeah. The role that you know, probably, in my mind, was most famously played by Rod Smith from time to time in his career or uh, Jimmy Leonard back in 2002 when you had – or 2012, yeah, pardon me, when you had Trendon Holiday, but Holiday had had hands of stone. Yeah. So if it was going to be inside your own 10-yard ten, ten line, you had to send – all like five foot eight of Jimmy Leonard out there to catch the ball. Right. And he was older at that time, right? Yeah. He was like a 14 year veteran. Yeah. Head coach in the making, by the way, he actually, uh, he's the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Mm. He turned down the chance to be the Packers defensive coordinator this year. Wow. So does he like the college game? He loves the college game. That being said, if there was a coach who I think could successfully make a leap from coordinator NFL head coach, the Raiders tried this with Lane Kiffin. If there was a coach out there who could do that, it would be Jim Leonard. Interesting. Given his, well, he's got the background. He, he's in right, a pro-style right. pro style program at Wisconsin. Co- he played for the Ravens for a long time. Played under Rex Ryan. Understands all those concepts. I think uh, that's, an, that's a dark horse name to keep your eye on. Maybe not this cycle, but a cycle down the line if the Broncos do end up having to keep making coaching changes is uh, Leonard's name to put in the back of your mind. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's, for Mrs. Quill, a fun hypothetical for each of you. What Olympic sport, summer or winter, do you think you would have the best chance to win a medal in? You are allowed four years of daily training. So I saw this question posed on Twitter today, and I thought of a couple different things. Obviously, of all the sports, golf is the one that I'm the best at. Yes. But – I also am very aware of the gap between me and professional golfers, and it is massive. None of it that requires um, elite athleticism do either of us or really anyone who's not there has a chance at. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm think I looked at archery. Okay. And thought, okay, and I'm really not trying to um, like take away from what these people do because it is very special. But archery is the one where I say maybe okay if I if I had four years, this is the only thing I was training for. Maybe I have it, but I, I guess what I'm saying is it probably requires the least amount of natural born ability, but you do have to have a great eye. Yes. The one that immediately jumps to mind, and I've joked about this, I want to someday test Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour theory on curling. Well, we said summer. Oh, he said summer or winter. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Curling. Curling for sure. I've always had great touch. Yes. But as far as, like, you kind of understand the angles, you understand, you know, how how much you need to sweep in front of the rock. Um, put enough time into that and just be doing that. Because the interesting thing is, like, you remember when the U.S. won the men's curling back in uh, Pyeongchang in 2018? Mm-hmm. Brian Schuster and his guys. They all have other jobs. Right, right, like, right. Like, they're all, like, working at Home Depot well, and things like that. because there's not a lot of money in right. curling. <laughs> Like the, the Home Depot does a great job, by the way, of setting up athletes who don't who don't take part in revenue producing sports right. to at least be able to earn a living and have health insurance and so forth. So they can continue to pursue their Olympic dreams. But like if you could just say, OK, I've you know, I've I've hit the lottery. I don't have to work. I'm just going to put all my time into a sport. Ten ten thousand hours in curling, I think you could push to be a medalist. And also yes. I'm thinking of it at my age. I'm in my mid forties. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't do a lot, but I could probably do, but you, you give me 10,000 hours on a curling, on curling sheets. I think I could do all right. I wonder and it's a fun sport too. Like it, 
it's you know it's actually we having a bar can appreciate a sport where drinking after the match with your opponents mm. is part of the culture yes of curling yeah if, if if i had to pick a winter sport it would definitely be curling summer sport i guess i mean i don't know golf so when i was i think, a f- I think we could all pull off uh coxswain and rowing yeah i mean all you do is i mean you sit you sit in the boat and yell stroke right that is true i know there's probably i know there's there, probably more there's than nuance that. to it there but has to be <laughs> but yeah you're right i think you probably have to be like a certain weight too yeah oh i uh, Good well, diet. I, you got time. We, you and I, we'll do, we'll do the keto thing together. Yeah. Um. <laughs> when I was a freshman in college, I hated school. I always hated school. Yeah. Uh, it was just never my thing. But I, th- I literally did. I had a night where I really sat there and thought, and I was like, if I dedicated all of my time to golf, how far could I go? Um. Like, if I quit school and I moved to Arizona and I just golf all day every day, like, could I make it onto something? And I think the answer is probably no, but I'll always wonder. Let me offer this to you. Let's say somehow you earn enough money in the next 11 years to retire at 40 from the workaday world. That gives you 10 years to golf your way to the senior tour onto the champions tour. Do you think you could make it? I'd like to think that. I mean, I'm your a five- life is golf. Yeah. Seven, you're golfing five days a week. You're golfing the way the rest of the world works. I I think so. I mean, I'm a five handicap now, just playing yeah. when I can in between days of work. Yeah. So I think so. But I, I also think that's discrediting the difficulty of getting that far. I really do acknowledge the gap between mm-hmm. me and those professionals. It's, it's huge. Um, but four years, well, you're saying now 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, to dedicate myself to understanding every little thing that goes into being a great golfer. Maybe. And Maybe. ultimately, golf, in a way, is the most democratic of our sports. Yes. Because if you did enough, there are avenues for you. You don't have to, to be make, like, no coach yeah. chooses you right. or anything like that. It's just, you, are you good enough? Are you good enough? I mean, because you, you can qualify for the Open. Yep. You don't have to get drafted. You, you don't can, have to you anything. Can, you, can go to Q, you can go to Q school. It's it is it really is the most democratic of our sports. I mean, I think which the is guy strange who, to say for because of how elitist it's perceived to be. Yes, I think uh, the guy who won the Corn Ferry Tour event in Colorado, he was like fifty something. Yeah. Know? So, I mean, it, I would John, love I would John, love to have that opportunity. John Smoltz qualified for the Senior Open, right? John Elway tried to, but John Smoltz actually did it. Yes, Tony Romo, I think, like yeah. did a thing too. Uh, Lionel Hutz, attorney at law, says any insights into McTelvin Ajim's nickname, Sosa? Well, it's interesting. His uh, his Twitter handle is SoSplash. Mm-hmm. So I haven't dug into that. I wonder if it's a play on that, but how did he get SoSplash? And unfortunately, the way access is, we can interview people, but it's not catch his catch can. I mean, I'd really just like back in 2019 – you just grab a guy coming off the field and say, hey, McTelvin, how did you get that nickname? Even though we can actually ask questions in person now, it's still so regimented. And hopefully it's back to normal next year. But who the hell knows with everything going on right now? So. Right. Uh, I'm looking to see if there's a story on here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look really quickly. <sighs> I don't know. I I have a theory, but I don't want to say it without knowing. So maybe we'll try and figure out uh, what the exact. Okay. Well, here's something it. here. Like I just followed a link that says his something like about his nickname here. He retweeted it. All right. Well, while you look up that, I'll read the next question here from Sebastian Arabe, who says, "My boys." Hope you had a great weekend. I'd like to start off by congratulating you on the re-grand opening of the bar. If I lived in Denver, I w- for sure would have been there to celebrate with you all. I can't think of a specific Broncos question today, but I'm curious. What is your favorite summer Olympic sport and your favorite win- winter Olympic sport? And do you like the winter or summer Olympics better? Thanks for everything, my friends. Much love, Sebastian. Yeah. By the way, this is the origin. Um, he said uh, last year, it comes from some guys in his hometown. They start calling him that, and they didn't let up. All right. All right. Um. So, favorite summer uh, Olympic sport and winter Olympic sport? 
Favorite summer Olympic sport? I I like the team sports. I love watching water polo and team handball. Those are fun. Water um, polo also, is our probably the most brutal summer Olympic sport. Yeah, it looks so intense. I, mean, I don't understand how they just do that, like tread water for that long. And the elbows are flying. Oh, yeah. You, you watch like right in front of the go- the goalie, and there's always like one pl- one attacking player and one defending player, and they're going against each other. And that that is hand-to-hand vicious combat. It is. I mean, it's also telling of water polo that the most famous match in that sport is literally nicknamed Blood in the Water. Yes. From the 1956 uh, Melbourne Olympics, Hungary versus the Soviet Union. Classic. Everyone knows that one. Um, well, there were some serious <laughs> geopolitical things going on because the Soviets had just rolled into Budapest. Okay. So it, there, it, there's actually, you know, in the city of Denver here, we have Hungarian Freedom Park dedicated in honor of uh, the 1956 uh, Hungarian uprising against communist rule. Learn something new every day. That's right. Hey, you're Mr. Denver. I figured you knew that one. I didn't know that one. Yeah. Um, it's over off spirit. My favorite, I think, is just the swimming. It's always so electric. Like mm-hmm. the girl from Alaska who won the gold. Sorry that I'm blanking on her name. Um, like that type of stuff. There's just something about like the just straight up race like that in the water that just it it brings out. Just I think like remember when the men's won the they won that relay um when phelps was yes. anchoring i think yes and it was just like, oh my god like those are the types of moments that come out of swimming that i just think are like extra electric more so than the individual because i think part of it is you like the i like the team i like i like the relays mm-hmm. i love more it. than just the individual races in gymnastics i i hate the fact that in gymnastics they do the team event first and then the individuals yeah i think and i i and obviously they use the team as qualification for individuals I would rather see the team happen last and be the culmination of it. It needs to so, build up to that, and like we should be ending with team women and team men. I don't like anything that has judges. That's true. That's the big problem with it. I agree. Yeah, it's just it's I, too subjective. Way too subjective. Um, Can you imagine if the football, there was no end zone, and two teams just played football for a while, and then at the end, just judges decided who the better team was? Oh gosh. <laughs> We're basically kind of doing that every day with Teddy and Drew, aren't we? We are, <laughs> um, but that doesn't matter. We're doing it; uh, it doesn't count right. for anything. It's true. We're not giving out. We're not giving out medals. Um, no. So yeah, it's, so for me, water polo and team handball in the Winter Olympics. I mentioned curling. It is. I find it to be an absolutely hypnotic sport to watch. It's really fun to watch. I love. I, I love it. I got into it living in Seattle, and we had CBC, and uh, you know, we could we could watch the uh, bond spiels that they would have. Mm. on there they're you know like a team from saskatchewan against a team from you know new brunswick and that's that sort of thing um and also i mean it's it's obvious the winter olympics but you know i love watching the hockey men's and women's um i find that like now that it's so easy to watch anything because like if you go on the nbc sports app you can kind of scroll down and see every sport i am watching much less of kind of the the sports mainstream mainstream sports and I'm watching a lot of water polo. I was watching fencing Saturday, USA versus the Russian Russian Olympic Committee team, and the U.S. blowing a lead in the in the in the final in the final match of the t- of the the team semifinal. I can't. Do, I don't think fence, fencing doesn't uh, doesn't get it going. For the me. hard thing though is like you see, like it's it's all digitized, of course, and so you see the lights go on when one you know when one fencer strikes Hits the other spot, yeah. but if, sometimes they're concurrent and you'll see both fencers pump their fists and one then one finds out that they didn't win the point they were like a one-tenth of a second before not or even that sometimes i mean it's Jeez, that is crazy. it's a game of uh thousands of a second that is pretty crazy yeah. um winter for me i love the moguls mm. it's i mean maybe it's because uh when i was a kid obviously jeremy bloom was a part of it mm-hmm. and he was like one of my favorite athletes ever so and the other thing, like one, that everyone loves, I think we all love sprints, like that we love the hundred meters. Yes, in, well, in in track, the fifty meter freestyle and swimming, and then in the in skiing downhill. What do you think of my take, though? Uh, Andre was flexing that the fastest man in the world is Italian now, yeah, uh, and uh, I said that um, if you're that fast and all you do is run in a straight line, it's a waste of your speed. 
Like, you should play another sport. Why? Sometimes. <laughs> well, first of all, Sometimes, you make a lot more money. But you but you have to have another skill with it. Like, Well, that's what I said. It's a, a cop-out. Right. But to be a receiver, you have to have speed and you have to have hands. Yes. I mean, the, ni- the 49ers tried this in the 80s. And actually, they weren't the only team. The Rams had Ron Brown, who won Olympic gold. The 49ers had Ronaldo Nehemiah, who was at one point was the greatest hurdler in the world. Hmm. I just think it's a, it's Trendon Holiday uh, went to the Olympic trials in track. To me, it's like a, it's like a it's a, it's not a one to one comparison, but it's like the guys who do the big uh, the long drive competitions in yes. golf. You have one skill. I'm just like, come on, learn how to hit an iron. Well, learn can, how to putt. If you can do well at that skill, then what else do you need? I mean, people, you know, remember that when there was the, the thought of trying Usain Bolt as a wide receiver? Yes, because I loved that thought. Yeah, but what if he has no hands? Well, it's I know, a different but skill. that's my point. You got to, like, come on. It's just just running in a straight line is a cop-out. Anyways. It's, it's, the, other, the other event I like in the, in the Winter Olympics is short track speed skating. Yeah, that's fun. That's awesome. That is fun. Some people call me the Space Cowboy. Says if you could have a candid, honest, one-on-one conversation with any NFL executive, uh, and uh, who would you want to talk with, and what would you ask them? Well, I mean, I would just pick George Payton because I care about the Broncos more than any other team. So I would just I want to know about his plan. What is his plan at quarterback? For right now, you'd want to know that. I would want to talk with Josh McDaniels and if some of his like. What were you thinking? He would just tell you to screw off. But I want an honest answer. Maybe that's not his honest answer. Uh, I'd want to talk with John Elway. Yeah, I mean, that'd be but great. But for a lot of reasons. I guess he is still technically an NFL executive. He was there today. I, I heard. Wearing a Augusta National Golf Club shirt. Not a Masters branded shirt. Right. Just, that's, that's the flex right there. That's what that, I said. That's how you tell people, oh, I've sure. played the course. Yes. I didn't go to the Masters. No, I went to Augusta to play golf. Any of us can get the Masters swag. Eventually, we win the lottery. I lost it again this year. Um, eventually, win the lottery, get in. And I guess whenever you win the lottery for tickets, you end up buying – they say the average Masters ticket holder buys like $900 in swag. <laughs> oh, my God. Because it's Everyone, only sold yeah. there. It's not it's sold cheap. online. It's not – it's not – overly priced yep. and because everybody always has like a friend that says hey can you get me a oh me a you gotta shirt? search uh, shop for everyone how many people that i know do you if i ever won the master's ticket lottery and got in how many people do i know do you think i'd have to buy shirts for uh, i mean two I, dozen add me to the list at, at least right yeah yeah it's i a, mean i'm happy to do it but, but you i'm i'm buying a lot of swag for right people. and he has just the standard augusta national golf club shirt on today i was like that's such a slight flex it's just so it's such a subtle flex but it, if you know you know peyton probably has one of those too probably does uh next one here uh from orange and blue actually last one orange and blue for life at what point in camp do we not count the plays made against motley seems to be whatever when uh whenever he's on the field the qbs get whatever they want and when he gets cut yeah pretty much i mean He's, I mean, realistically, what is he fighting for? Cornerback six? Maybe. And he's fighting for CB6, and yet he's got to prove he's better than Sang Bassey. Duke Dawson? It's probably not happening. Yeah. I don't think so. So that's when we'll stop counting. We'll see Kerry Vincent out there at some point. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. And, uh, he, you know, he came in and he made some plays for them last year when they needed mm-hmm. it most. Um, but this defense isn't going to be coming, becoming the Motley crew anytime soon. No, they certainly aren't. Um, but before we get out of here, I want to give a shout out to MSU Denver online. Once again, a presenting sponsor of this show, they mean a lot to us. So, uh, appreciate them. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow after practice.